his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. This week, we'll have more information on autism services. We'll get the details on traveling safely this summer season and Memorial Day. Starting us off, some fun in Jessup. Dominic Perini tells us about the Jessup Post Company number no. 2 annual carnival. All right, Dom, spill it. You have another big party coming up, and there's no party like a Dom party. Where are we going? Well, thank you. Jessup Post Company number two and Amblin's Association, 333 Hill Street, Jessup, PA. Come up to Casey Highway, get off exit three, and it's all downhill from there. <laughs> I love it's the fire company. <laughs> I love when you say that, but explain it to them, Dom. They don't want to be going like off the edge of the earth. That's correct. They want to just come up the Governor Casey Highway, get off exit three, and depending on if you're coming from Carpendale or if you're coming from Scranton, go downhill, and it's all downhill from there. It's a it's our annual carnival, May 24th through the 29th. The carnival will have a soft opening on Wednesday, the 24th. The fire company will come into play Thursday through Sunday. So if you want to come and just ride the rides on Wednesday, you can. But the fire company's involvement will be Thursday, the 25th through Sunday. We've got great food. We've got great rides. We've got beverages. It's just a wonderful place to be. The fireman's parade will be Friday night at 6.15 p.m. We have bands nightly. Check our website. Check our Facebook. We have spectacular fireworks at 9.30 p.m. on Sunday. And it's just a lot of, lot of fun. Now, when we're talking about the carnival, of course, this has been going on for how long? 31 years. Wow. 31 years. And you've been involved all this time. Started it under a tent. Exactly. And now look at how it's expanded. So what was it like in the very beginning? Did you think you'd be going 31 years? No, it was, uh, it was a gabble. I had to <laughs> beg the carnival people to come to Jessup. Uh, you know, the, when you're calling for a new spot, they don't know the spot they want to grow with you. So they sent me a couple rides in 1992 and said, if you know, we like what we see, we won't look back. And 31 years later, Mr. Swika died, passed away, and his son, Stephen Jr., runs it now. He's actually probably Stephen third. You know, we'll have 18, 19 rides, we'll have games, we'll have food galore. The fire company makes homemade food. The carnival makes, you know, of course, your funnel cakes and your deep fried Oreos. We have to mention that the amusements are local, right? They are. He's from Scott Township. Yep. Yeah, that's a big plus when we're talking and, about that. You know, that's why we reached out to them. I've had other carnivals call me want to change the date, want to go to a different time of the year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? Jessup is edged in stone for that week. We tie ourselves in with Santa Baldo, who runs that Saturday. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a great week between the two organizations. They have things that are going on every night within their organization. And then, of course, we have the carnival over our organization. When the two of them match and meet up on Saturday and Sunday. It's just a great time for everybody. Well, I'm glad you mentioned St. Ubaldo because 
you're actually doing a something for St. Ubaldo over over the long weekend? Well, Santa Baldo has their event on Saturday, and then the children's event is on Sunday. So the weekend has excitement going on within that organization. Ah, so they can spill over and come to the carnival at the, at the around the same time that they're enjoying all the festivities for St. Ubaldo. Absolutely. And after St. Ubaldo completes their day on Saturday, everybody that's in that memorial field comes over to the carnival and enjoys themselves. Exactly. They have you know, they have the entertainment. We have entertainment every single night. And you don't pay for anything. There's no admission charge. There's no charge to get into the bar. There's no charge to get into the carnival. All you do is pay for what you want. It's like a la carte. You want to ride the rides? Ride them. You don't want to ride the rides? Walk around the grounds and enjoy the games and the vendors and the food. Whatever you want to do, is it's up to you. There's no commitment like you have to do a fair or something like that where you have to pay to get in regardless how old you are or what you want to do with us not you know it's free let's talk about jessa pose company number two and the ambulance mm-hmm. association because that's mm-hmm. who benefits from the carnival it does paul and i'll give you an example um we had our air packs the breathing apparatus that the firefighters go into houses with they were since the Twin Towers got knocked down. That was a federal grant that volunteers got to update their equipment. We we took advantage of that and updated our Scott air packs, they're called breathing apparatus. Well, they were obsolete this year. We couldn't even get parts for them. You can't send a firefighter into a burning building with an air pack that could fail. So we had to go out and buy 17 new air packs and that cost us $152,000. And there was no money out there. We tried to get it or whatever. We had to raise it and take it out of our actual funding. And it was $152,000. The benefit of attending the carnival is to help for things like that that keep the community safe. Absolutely. And it costs you know anywhere from twelve dollars to $14,000 to dress a firefighter in all their clothes that they need, all the safety gear that they wear, the air pack, of course. And uh, it's just, it's just a lot of money. And volunteerism is, is going down, down, down every year. You see these ambulances going out of business. We're fortunate enough that we have a junior firefighter role that they could come in and I believe 13 years old. And, you know, we've got a couple of those and they're doing very well. And, Some of them are really sharp kids. They go for all the training that they need. And by the time they're 17, 18 years old, they're a full experienced firefighter. Well, I certainly hope that maybe some of them that will be attending the carnival this year will hear more about it. Do you find that you get volunteers after the, the carnival? I go get them. I've already stopped at Amazon. I've already stopped at Blue Buffalo. I've already stopped at a couple of the uh, businesses up at, at Lackawanna County Communication Center. And I go ask them if they have any volunteers that could help us or whatever. And Amazon actually has a program. They take volunteers right off work and they go help organizations based on what their criteria falls in. I think that's the only way it's going to stay afloat. I think uh, if you don't do that, and I, you know, I, like I say, I just wonder, I'm there 31 years and I'm old. <laughs> Who's going to pick it up? I don't see anybody and my president, Mr. Musho, we don't see anybody stepping to the front, waving their hands. We're trying to get some of these younger members involved and let them let them know what, you know, it what what they can do. To, and it doesn't have to be one person like me. I was just fortunate enough to have the time the vacation, etc., that I could afford to the fire company and my family didn't suffer. And that's why it worked for me. But, you know, there, there is a lot of hands and I'm not dead yet. So if somebody takes it over, I surely will guide them. I surely will help them. But nobody's, you know, nobody wants to raise their hand and step to the front. 
All right. Because they know it's a lot of responsibility. Of course it is. Absolutely. And with the fun comes the responsibility. So let's go back to the fun. And I am going to hand you the microphone. Got it there. Both hands. Here we go. You, Dom, are going to give us the official invitation to the carnival. Thank you, Paula. And it is the 31st annual carnival at the Jessup Post Company Number 2 and Amblers Association on 333 Hill Street in Jessup. You come down the Casey Highway from anywhere in northeastern Pennsylvania and get off exit 3 and go downhill. And our old cliche is it's all downhill from there. We have entertainment every single night. We have a band every single night. Just look on our, our Facebook, Jessup Post Company Number 2 and or our um, website, which is jessupno2.com, and you'll see everything that you need to see listed. Again, it opens on Wednesday the 24th. We'll have a soft opening on Wednesday where Swike Amusements will have their rides and their attractions open, but the fire company's involvement starts on Thursday. There's a band every single night. We have homemade food. We have everything you want to come to and have fun. There's no admission price. You just pay for what you want to enjoy. We have wristband, pay one price Wednesday and Thursday, 6 to 10, Saturday and Sunday, 2 to 6. Monday, which is the last day for the carnival, they're open 2 to 7, and it's $15 to ride all the rides all afternoon. And don't forget our parade between 6.15 and 6.30 on Friday the 26th, and a big fireworks display on Sunday night, about 9.30. Dominic Perini giving you the invitation to the Jessup Hose Company number two annual carnival. Now don't go away. When we come back, the fun also means safety, especially traveling to get there on Special Edition. Now on Special Edition, traveling. We're all going to do it. Let's do it safely. We're going to hear some great tips from Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Anthony Petrosky. But starting us off, Rebecca Ryback with the Northeast Highway Safety Program, who gives us the details on Click It or Ticket. Let's talk Click It or Ticket, Rebecca. Every May is National Click It or Ticket Month all over the United States, where we encourage everyone to wear their seatbelts. So in Pennsylvania, the focus would be May 15th to May 31st. So what that just means is while police are out there patrolling for the holidays and on their regular patrol, they're going to make sure that everyone is wearing their seatbelt. And of course, all your children are in a car seat because that would go along with clicker ticket also. So we want to remind everybody that wearing your seatbelt is the best defense against injury or death in the event of a crash. And it actually um, increases your chances of survival by 60%. What about any kind of citations or if you're not wearing your seatbelt and you get pulled over? In Pennsylvania, our seatbelt law is still secondary if you are over 18. So what that means is that if you are over 18, you cannot be pulled over for not wearing your seatbelt. You need to have a primary violation. If you were speeding going through a stop sign and you got pulled over and then the officer noticed that you weren't wearing your seatbelt, you'll get a fine for the first offense, which was speeding. And then the second citation would be for not wearing your seatbelt. However, in Pennsylvania, if you're under 18, it is a primary law, which means that anyone under 18, anywhere in the vehicle must be in a seatbelt, car seat, booster seat, and they could pull you over for not wearing your seatbelt just for that if they feel they see passengers that are under 18. We talk about this with car seats and booster seats and seatbelts. Let's talk a little bit about car seats then. What should people know about buckling up in a car seat? Our law in Pennsylvania states that, again, everyone under 18 should be in a seatbelt, booster seat, car seat. So if your child is zero to two years old, Minimum, they should be rear-facing in a car seat. But we like to see children stay rear-facing as long as possible. So you want to read the manufacturer's instructions of your car seat in your vehicle to see how long they can stay rear-facing until they grow out of that seat. When they are between four and eight years old, they have to be in a 
forward-facing car seat or a booster seat. And again, these are the laws of Pennsylvania. However, we go by best practice. This means that you want your child to outgrow the height or weight of that car seat or booster seat. So you could have a three-year-old, four-year-old still rear-facing in a car seat. You could have a 9, 10, 11-year-old still in a booster seat, even though the law states they're in a booster seat till eight. So we always want to follow the law, but we also want to use best practice by keeping them in some sort of car seat or booster seat for as long as possible. Is there any kind of a weight requirement in there? There's no weight requirement only because car seats nowadays are built for kids who are over 100, 150 pounds and and so forth. So a booster seat, which is always the, I feel, forgotten car seat, if you will, because children at 8, 9, 10 years old, they see their friends, they see their peers They're not in a car seat anymore. They're not in a booster seat. Some of them are actually sitting in the front, which we don't suggest that you sit in the front until you're 13 years old. So a lot of parents skip that. They, you know, they go right from the five-point harness seat. They don't even go to the booster seat. So a booster seat is really boosting your child up so the seatbelt fits correctly. And some of these booster seats could hold children way over 100 pounds or more. So um, you really just want to follow the manufacturer's instructions when you're, you have your child in these, in these seats. And when it comes to installing sometimes the car seats, parents and other folks can have a very daunting task. Right. So we do have some car seat check events coming up in May. And we're actually having one on May 24th at the uh, Wilkes-Barre Firehouse over in Hollenbach, right near the golf course, and that's from 11 to 1. There's also going to be a car seat check on Thursday, May 25th from 3 to 7 at the Hanover Township Ambulance Building. We have one Saturday, May 27th at Wayne Memorial Hospital. That's going to be from 9 to 12. If you cannot attend any of these, you could call your local state police barracks. They have certain times where they do car seat uh, checks. So if you cannot attend one of these, you could contact your local state police barracks. Anything that you think we may have left out that we uh, need to let everybody know so that they're safe as they're on the roadways? We want to remind everybody where you purchase your car seat. There's a lot of fake car seats out there. And there's a lot of websites now that offer car seats for a very low price, a lot of different apps on your phone where you could shop. Uh, So you really want to make sure that go to a store, go to a reputable place and get a car seat at a Target or something like that. Because a lot of these websites are selling car seats that are, you know, maybe a cheaper version of something. And you think that it's Uh, an appropriate car seat, but it really is like a fake one. So you really want to watch where you're buying your car seat. Thanks, Rebecca. And speaking of Memorial Day, here's Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Anthony Petrosky from Troop N. Hazleton. Let's get started with Memorial Day, Trooper Petrosky. And what say you when it comes to safety? Well, we all know there's going to be more cars on the road. It's going to be, the roads are going to be filled with cars traveling, and that's a good thing. But you know, we have to make sure that we're abiding by the laws. There's going to be more troopers out because when there's going to be more cars out on the road, there has to be more troopers. And that's so we make sure the roads are safe. We want to be visible. We want everybody to see us. They could slow down so they can lane change properly, use their blinkers, wear their seatbelts, do everything correctly, avoid distracted driving so they can get where they're going from point A to point B safely. And that's our goal. Our goal is not to go out and write a thousand tickets. Our goal to keep the road safe. We will be out there. This is not a secret. We will be out the entire holiday weekend enforcing the laws. Anybody that's in violation of any of the con- the traffic laws in the Commonwealth of PA, they will be pulled over. They will be cited because we want the roads to be safe. Yes, we want you to travel. Absolutely. Just be safe while you do it. And that is our number one goal. So when we talk about the safety issue, we're also talking about the fact that people are going to be, and it's not just Memorial Weekend, but it is the start of the summer travel season. So 
What are some of the things I, I'm going to start right off at the top? Work zone safety, and they are going to be open and operating all summer long. Yes, the start of summer means the start of construction season in Pennsylvania. We all know that. So a couple pointers. Number one, plan ahead. You know there's going to be traffic delays. Instead of getting frustrated, trying to go fast through these construction zones, which is dangerous to everybody involved, just plan ahead. Find an alternate route or plan ahead so you don't have to worry about being stuck in traffic. Also, please abide by the signs. The signs that say lane change, don't wait until the very last second. Yes, you can use both lanes up until the merging point, but don't go beyond that. That's a violation. Remember, these are workers out there trying to make the roads better for all of us. Slow down, move over, and ensure their safety. Now, with construction zone, I want to talk about distracted driving because people think, well, I'm on the interstate, but I'm going slower, so it's a good time for me to check my text messages or my emails. No, it's a horrible time. Put the phone down. That's the number one cause of distracted driving. And distracted driving is to find it anything that takes your eyes away from the road. So looking at your phone in a construction zone, definitely not a good idea. Again, there's workers out there. You have to maintain your eyes on the road at all times. If you do have to check your phone, just pull over. Be a responsible driver. Pull over, check your phone, and then get back on the road safely. And you said the words, move over. Are you finding that people are actually understanding what the move over law is all about? You know, I think people, drivers in Pennsylvania, they do understand it now. And we're seeing it. People are, are, are definitely abiding by this law a lot better than in the years past. And that's a good thing. It's still not 100%. We still see people that are doing it. And we will then pull them over. You know, if we're on a traffic stop and a car goes by us and they didn't move over, we can leave the traffic stop that we're on to go and pull that car over. So don't think we're not going to write you a citation or pull you over because we already have a car pulled over. We can still do it. We can radio to another car up the road. Please, it's for our safety. We want to make that traffic stop safe, not only for us, but the persons that we have pulled over. And we want to be able to go on with the rest of our day. Don't worry about what we're doing. I know a lot of times people see lights flashing. They want to take their phones out recorder. We're not doing anything special there. We're doing our job. We're making sure the roads are safe. Eyes on the road, move over. This way you can avoid not only a citation, but points on your license and an inconvenience to your trip. And one of the things I think has come from the move over law is there are people, and I'm one of them, that even if I see someone stopped on the side of the road with or without their four ways on, I've kind of gotten into the habit of just moving over if I can, as long as there's not someone passing me or it's not dangerous, that um, again, because of the fact that you're right, there there could be people and it may not involve any kind of a traffic stop, but they might be having some kind of electrical issues with their vehicle. Sure, that happens a lot. And a lot of times there's tow trucks there and they're working on maybe changing a tire or getting the vehicle loaded up so they can get it out of there. And you know what? It just, it puts them in a safe position. It puts their mind at ease and it definitely helps the situation. If you can move over in an instance where it's not an emergency response area, please still do just for the safety of everybody involved. All right. What else do you have that you want folks to know about, especially since we're getting into this summer travel season? I feel it's important to note that motorcycles are going to be out and Sometimes motorcycles can get lost in a blind spot. So when you're changing lanes, when you're pulling out on a road, make sure you're double, triple, triple checking your mirrors, looking over your shoulder, looking both ways before you turn. Be aware that they're going to be out there, and sometimes they get caught in a blind spot. So please keep your eye out for motorcycles. Again, they're part of the roadway also. We want to make sure that everybody's safe out there. All right. Anything else that we may have forgotten that you would like to let our listeners know? We want the people in this great Commonwealth to know that we want them to have a wonderful summer season to travel as much as they would like. But again, be aware that we're going to be out there and we're going to make sure that these roads are safe. And if you're doing everything right and you drive by us, honk your horn and wave at us. We appreciate that. Pennsylvania State Police Trooper Anthony Petrosky from Troop N. Hazleton. Be safe on the roadways. Next, we're going to find out more about autism services on Special Edition. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. 
Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now meet Dr. Todd Harris, Executive Director of Advanced Autism Services at Devereaux Behavioral Health. Dr. Harris, welcome. It's nice to have you here. And today we're going to be talking about autism. And I've spoken to other folks who have been involved with Devereaux. There are so many different programs. Let's have you start by letting our listeners know exactly what your role is at Devereaux. Sure. And 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 thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I'm the executive director of autism services for Devereaux Advanced Behavioral Health. I have multiple as part of that role, but I'm really leading the clinical treatment and support services for all the individuals with autism that we're serving across the country. Can you explain a little bit about what autism is? Sure. So autism is a spectrum disorder. Uh, There's a saying that if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. They're very different. Each individual with autism has vastly different needs in many cases. So we have individuals that we serve that are unable to speak for themselves and may never learn how to talk. We try to teach them how to talk. That's one of the things that we find to be really important. But Equally as important or more important is to teach them how to communicate. So uh, with these individuals, they need to learn basic things like being able to indicate yes and no when asked a question, being able to request uh, things they need, maybe through a picture system like the picture exchange communication system or a speech generating device. So we have individuals that we're serving on that end of the spectrum. And then we're also serving individuals that are uh, very verbal and communicate actually very well. We really see a wide range of different needs, both in the areas of communication, and that's true of social skills. And again, we have individuals that are not interested in interacting with others. And then we're also serving individuals that are very interested in interacting with others. And then we also have kind of like the third characteristic is some uh, perseverative and, and repetitive behavioral patterns So that's really what we see with our individuals with autism. We feel that you're either born with autism or there's a small percentage that develop autism um, when they're very young, but we also see autism as a biological condition. Is there a way that a parent would know that their child, you mentioned very young, would have autism? I think you would want to start looking at a couple different things. Is the child able to communicate just basic wants and needs through gestures? How do they interact with the world socially? So when you walk in the room and say their name, do they look up? Are they interested in what other people are doing? Do they have the ability to imitate even simple actions at a young age? So when you see, if you're a mother or father of a 20-month child, and you see their peers starting to learn how to imitate simple actions with toys or imitate certain sounds, are they able to imitate those sounds? So if you start to see patterns of deficits in those areas, then that's a good time to really seek out an evaluation, a diagnostic evaluation. And when we talk about a diagnostic evaluation, what exactly would happen 
because there may be some parents who are listening and they're saying, I've been told this, but now I just don't understand what they mean because when you think diagnostic, sometimes you think of different things than might actually be happening. Right. So there's a couple of things related to diagnostics. One is that unfortunately, there's not a lot of diagnostic services available to families, depending on where you live, of course. But even in the area where I live in Philadelphia, there are a lot of services, but there's still really long wait lists to have children get in and receive diagnostic assessments. But typically what that means is you go to whether it's a psychologist or a medical professional, and you essentially are evaluated. There's no biological markers right now. There's no blood tests. So what the individual who's doing the diagnostic work with your son or your daughter will do is they will get information from you. They'll observe you interacting with your child, and then they'll also interact with your child to get a sense for how they are able to communicate their wants and needs, how they interact with the world socially, and whether they have any repetitive or other types of behavioral challenges that exist. So there are structured tests that, for example, there's something called the ADOS-2, which is considered the gold standard for diagnostic work right now, as well as the CARS-2, which is also a good assessment for diagnostics. So Typically, it takes a couple hours, uh, and then you usually get a report, you know, usually within a, one would hope within a week or two, um, or at least some initial information with recommendations. So that's something that we do at Devereaux. There's also hospital settings and other types of clinics that do diagnostic work. We can also move ahead a little bit because there are also adults who maybe were diagnosed with autism later in life. Is that also true? That is true. And I would add to that and say there are adults out there who've never been diagnosed but have autism. The field has evolved. I've been in the field for 40 years. And when I first started working with individuals with autism or autistic individuals, people didn't really know what autism was. And I would have to explain it over and over when they asked what I did. Things have changed considerably, as you know, and and a lot of people know about autism now. But unfortunately, for individuals that are now in their 40s or 50s, when we were still learning about autism and and physicians and other first-line medical professionals didn't really know what it looked like or meant to be autistic, for those individuals that are now in their 40s and 50s, they might have missed that period of time and, and never got diagnosed. So we're actually having individuals contact us that are in their 20s, in their 30s, and in their 40s. And they're saying, I think I have autism, but I've never been diagnosed. Can you help me out? Uh, So we are seeing a lot more adults coming to us that are undiagnosed. uh, And as it turns out, they do have autism. When we're, again, talking about the entire scope of all of the differences of being diagnosed, of of having autism for for so many years, I'm guessing then that the people who are older have, I guess, learned to adapt, learned to get along in life in order to continue to be where they are. Yeah, I I would say that's very true, Paula. I think when you look at autistic individuals, they have some pretty significant strengths in many ways. And uh, those strengths have allowed them to be quite successful in their various careers And then some of them have challenges, and they might be challenges related to, for example, social interaction in the workplace, anxiety. Uh, A lot of adults that are autistic have uh, some challenges related to anxiety and some problem-solving skills. So we have found some amazing things that autistic individuals do as adults and are very, very successful and are married and have kids, but they may start to realize, like all of us, they might need a little help and may need support with certain aspects of their lives. Autistic adults are, are, are just like us. You know, at a certain point, we all realize, mm, I could use some help here, whether we get that from a spouse, whether we get that from a friend, or whether we get that from a therapist, it, it is really up to us and the path we choose to take. 
And so when we talked in the very beginning about children being diagnosed, I'm sure at that point, some parents are very apprehensive because, you know, you don't like to have your child diagnosed with just about anything and hear that there's something that might be a concern. But flip that around and you see all of the adults who have not been diagnosed and are moving on. And and so that must give them at least a little bit of confidence when they hear that. Yeah, I think so. And and it is interesting because receiving, you know, a diagnosis, like you said, Paula, that your child has something that's going to create some challenges in their lives. It's hard for all of us, regardless of what that diagnosis is. But one of the things that we have found is that for families, uh, in some cases, they've been seeking you know, answers to questions about their son or their daughter for several years. And finally, when we say, we think your child is autistic, then there's a great relief. And thank you for letting me know. And now that I know what um, these challenges, where these challenges are coming from, I can seek out treatment. So we do, in, in some cases, you know, parents get very upset and, and I would get upset as well. Um, because it's going to create more challenges for my child. But at the, the other side of the coin is they now have answers and they have a clearer pathway. So a lot of parents can be somewhat relieved that there's some answers to questions um, that they've had for quite some time. And I would think that's true with uh, autistic adults too, um, that it does provide a little more clarity once they get the diagnosis as to what are the different pathways and what types of supports might be most effective for them in terms of helping them meet their goals. Exactly. And now parents can at least get an idea of what to expect because the research has been ongoing because, as you said, more is known now. So just a general overview, what can parents expect for a child who may be diagnosed at a very early age and now is considering going on into school? I think there's a couple things that I would, in terms of advice for parents, that I would give them uh, if they have a child that is diagnosed as having autism when they're a toddler or a preschool. One of the, the most important things is to get into treatment as early as possible. There's a lot of research on early intervention and the importance of early intervention. The speech and language pathology services and, and you know teaching your child how to communicate is really important. My recommendation is for applied behavior analysis or ABA. Uh, there's a lot of scientific research that supports ABA, but I think you have to be careful like anything else. You have to make sure that whoever the therapist is, is confident. Do they have a, a board certified behavior analyst? Are they a BCBA? And do they, their approach, does that fit well with your family? Does that follow the same path that you want to take? Because, you know, you can see three different BCBAs and they'll have three different sets of recommendations. So you want to make sure it's a good fit. And you also want to make sure that you're evaluating whatever therapist that you're using, that you're going to evaluate and make sure that they are, they intend on working with you in a very collaborative way. Um, They're going to be very inclusive of you. And they're going to really help you address quality of life issues, not just for your child, but also for your family. And so the treatment kind of focal points, you know, communication is an obvious one, especially early on. It's really important to start teaching simple social skills. And I would include imitation skills, which are really important, too, as part of social skills. And then really looking at independence. So, uh, for example, with a toddler. You want to, uh, you know, teach them to begin to pick up or help pick up their toys, start to learn how to wash their hands as they become three and a half and four. If they're not toilet trained already, uh, that would be a really good time to start focusing on teaching uh, them to use the toilet. And then the last thing really is safe behavior. It's really important to focus on safe behavior. And it's tricky because, you know, as you know, Paula, all toddlers and preschoolers have challenging behaviors at times. Absolutely. Um, so, so parents have to say, like, are, are these behaviors different? Uh, for example, tantrums, do they last longer, you know, instead of like a 15 or a 10-minute tra- tantrum? You know, my child's having a tantrum that lasts an hour and 15 minutes. Um, are they more frequent? Are they more intense? Does uh, my child start to 
hit others during the tantrum and, and hit themselves. So you have to start kind of looking at that and getting help to address those behaviors. I think at a really early age is really critical. I had a parent once say to me, she had a son who was probably like 17 at the time, and he had some behavioral issues, and we were talking through them. And she said, honestly, when you got a little kid, you got little problems, but when you have a big kid, you have big problems. And what she meant by that as uh, her child became older and stronger, his behaviors just became more dangerous. So I would say, you know, when you focus on teaching skills and teaching communication and social skills, a lot of times, a lot of those behaviors will start to melt away because that's how we treat behavioral issues is we teach other skills, but you really want to focus and get help as a parent if you have a toddler or preschooler that's having some behaviors that are really concerning you that are persistent occurring every day or every week. As I said before, I've talked to folks at Devereaux who have a wide range of skills and and there's also a wide range of programs, Dr. Harris, that people can even find out about online. Yes, we actually have uh, a number of different autism specialty programs, and that includes we have a uh, Center for Autism Research and Educational Services or CARES private school for children with autism that are age 5 to 21. And these are typically for kids that aren't doing well, students that are doing well in their regular uh, home school district program or even in another kind of private school program. So we're typically taking kids in that have pretty significant behavioral issues, as well as some medical issues uh, and real challenges with communication and social skills. So that's our CARES private school model. We have three of them. We have one in Pennsylvania, one in New York, and then we have one uh, just outside of Worcester, Massachusetts. We also have consultation services. So that was really born. I, I started at Devro as the education director for the private school that was outside of Philadelphia. And what we were finding is that a lot of school districts were referring kids to us. And when we went out to see those students in our district, we were realizing, you know, with a little bit of help, they could do well here. School district just might need a little consultation. So we started a consultation service that now is regional, where we've just, um, in the last few years, we've worked in New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. We've started to partner with either other private schools or uh, school districts, mostly, mainly school districts, to help them develop uh, appropriate educational programs for their students with autism so they can stay there and they don't have to come to our CARES program. We also have, uh, for our adults, we have community-based services to help adults um, become more independent where they live, to become socially connected if they're not already socially connected. This is really important to them. Um, We found it really impacts their quality of life to have friends and things to do on the weekends. We also uh, do a lot of support for community inclusion as well as employment. And then we have uh, two last programs. One is a program that's a residential program for individuals who have not done well in various settings and are engaged in behavior that's really dangerous and uh, has not been effectively treated. So we bring them into a short-term intensive treatment program to help teach them to manage those uh, dangerous behaviors. And we're using positive uh, and proactive procedures. Like I said earlier, mainly just teaching procedures and teaching them how to be a better communicator, teaching them how to cope with uh, environmental situations that are difficult for them and so on. And then we last, and that's our stairs program. And last is our hype program. So our hype program is a new program and it's for high school students that are autistic that want to go to a four-year college or even a two-year college. So it's an after-school program that starts when they're juniors and they would start right away in their junior year and then it would end at the end of their senior year. And uh, we're really focused on teaching them how to prepare for college. A lot of the individuals that we support in our adult program who have been to college and who uh, were not able to do well and stay there Um, It's not because of their academic abilities. Usually they do really quite well academically, but all the other skills that kind of surround uh, academic skills, for example, you know, organizing their time effectively, organizing their materials, remembering to turn in assignments, 
problem solving, um, how to interact with roommates, all those things are really important. So that is what our height program is focused on, is teaching them those skills so when they get into college, they'll already have those skills. And we are partnering right now with Westchester University. So the, the really cool thing is they stay with us during the school year, but we can use the Westchester University campus in Pennsylvania um, to uh, go and do events there to practice skills in the dining hall, for example, using their laundry room facilities. Um, and then during the summertime, there's actually a 10-day program where the students that are in our cohort that are living with their families will go and stay on the campus uh, in the summer after their junior year and in the summer after our, their senior year um, just to take the skills that they learned with us and then to generalize those skills onto the campus, into the dormitory. And uh, we are partnering uh, with Westchester University, who runs the summer program. Now, imagine if Dr. Harris today had the opportunity to go back in time to Dr. Harris 40 years ago when he started all started doing all of this and said, guess what's coming in the future? I think Dr. Harris 40 years ago would probably be very surprised. I would be shocked, quite frankly. I, I had no idea. I started working with uh, autistic individuals because I, would, I was really drawn to them. I really enjoyed interacting with them, being around them, working with them. I, I felt great satisfaction by teaching someone how to communicate for the first time in an appropriate way. Uh, and that's what really drew me to the field. But I had no idea in terms of the prevalence numbers and the prevalence of, of people with autism and, and what the numbers are. I mean, you know, we're looking at when I started, it was 1,000 to 2,250 births. And now we're looking at one in 36. So things have changed vastly. I would have never anticipated that. But I'm, you know, because of this need, I'm even more gratified that I picked the field of autism services and working in the field. Now, before we have to let you go, is there anything else that we haven't mentioned yet that you would like to let our listeners know or bring them up to date on? I'm going to sneak okay. one in on you because person versus identity first language. Can you explain that a little bit? Absolutely. So when I first started in the field in 1983, um, there was a big emphasis on using person first language. So when I was talking about a child, um, it would be I would I would use the term child with autism or young man with autism. It was always person first. And that was kind of drilled into us for many, many years as professionals. This is the way we speak. This is the way that we write. You know, when we're presenting, this is how we're going to uh, identify someone with autism. In recent years, though, there's been a shift towards more identity first language. Um, so, uh, and that was really driven by members of the autism community. So a lot of self-advocates and their allies prefer identity first language. So instead of saying a, a child with autism, you would say autistic child, um, or instead of young man with autism, it would be an autistic young man. And so as we're kind of, uh, when I present and, and during the interview, you might've noticed I use both interchangeably. Um, so any kind of presentation or anything that I'm doing in writing, um, or interviews, I'll use both terms interchangeably. Um, and, and I think most importantly at Devro, uh, we really consider each individual's preference related to terminology. So we'll ask that up front. And if they say, I want identity first language, we'll use that. Or if they say we want person first, we'll use that. So it, it's just a, a, a new way for us to think. And, and I think we've done a good job, you know, adapting. And I think the other thing too is, is just the field is becoming more and more inclusive. Like in any field, it, it, we should be more inclusive from the very start. So we're learning so much from the autistic individuals that we support and that we also employ. So we're for the hype program, for example, we have an autistic consultant and she comes in and she's helping us develop the curriculum, plan the lessons. And then she also uh, interacts with the students in the program fairly frequently too. And she's wonderful. Um, the students will tell you that they like us 
um, but they love her and love when she's working with them. So um, the field is changing, and, and what we have found is the best people to inform us are autistic people. Well, I'm sure as time goes on, you're going to be learning much more because that's what this is all about, is learning. So what would you like to leave our listeners with today, Dr. Harris? I think the message is really, especially for parents, that focus on communication, social skills, independence, and safe behavior. Those are the big four. So if nothing else, remember, and and, and certainly that's in addition to academics and everything else, but for your child, are they able to communicate effectively? Do they have good social skills? Do they have friendships? Do they have peers they like? Are they independent or emerging uh, in independence with, uh, you know, their um, self-care, chores around the house and so on? And are they the safe? Do they engage in safe behavior? So those are the four things I would always tell any parent to focus in on, regardless of how old their child is. Excellent. Dr. Harris, thank you. All right. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.